Hi, I'm Ray. Welcome to another podcast episode. Several people have asked me, how often are the podcast episodes released? Well, the midweek message is every Wednesday, and on Sunday, every Sunday, is the main podcast episode, whatever it may be about. This one is about bills, money, household bills, and what it was like in the 1950s and 60s, paying the bills then, and paying the bills these days, in 2021. So just pop in and have a look at the podcast every Wednesday and every Sunday, and then you'll be well up to date with what's going on. You can email me, raiserants at protonmail.com, raiserants at protonmail.com. Great to hear from you. I do get lots of emails and I do try to answer them all. Right, let's move on to bills. No one likes bills. You know, the brown envelopes coming through the door. But do we get those anymore? Do we get the brown envelopes arriving on the doormat? When I bought my first house, which was, I'm just trying to think, good grief, 1976, we had a mortgage. We had a telephone put in. It's my, my wife and myself. We had gas bill, obviously, electricity bill. I think it was rates then. Was it council rates? I, you know, I can't remember. It's that, about 150 years ago. It's that long ago. What I would do, the electricity bill would arrive. I get in from work, take it to my bureau. I had a bureau, you know, one of these fold down things turns into a desk. I'd sit there, open the electricity bill. Right, they want £15. I mean, I don't know. Is that how much it was then? I can't remember. It's a little bit more these days. Well, say it was £15. I'd get my checkbook. Who knows what a checkbook is? Are they used these days, checks? I don't know. I'd get my checkbook out and I'd write the date and who it's to and the amount in words as well as figures and I'd sign it. So £15 to the electricity company and I'd tear the cheque out. Oh, and that would leave a little stub in the checkbook. I could put there the date, the amount and who the cheque is to. So that's my record, this little stub that remains in the book. Put the cheque in the envelope, address the envelope, put a stamp on it, and the following morning on my way to work, I'd put it in the post box. Same with the, the gas bill when that arrived, you know, same procedure, write out a cheque, blah, blah, blah. And I kept uh, an exercise book, like a notebook, with a running total. So whatever was in the bank, let's say the bank balance was £80. So what I put in my book is, Electricity bill, 15, balance is £65. So I always knew what was in the bank. Now, the thing is, by the time I'd posted the cheque, by the time they'd banked it, and by the time it had cleared, it could well easily be a week or more. So the bank balance where it said £65 was wrong for a week. It was 80 But in my mind, I knew where I was. Okay, that's the way I did it. And it was simple. It really was simple. Same with the mortgage. Every month I wrote out a cheque. I don't think, you know, I can't remember. I don't think back then we had direct debits. I, I think they might have been just coming, you know, direct debit, that sort of thing, where it's taken out of the bank automatically. I liked checks because I knew where I was. I knew exactly what was going on, what money had gone where. Uh, the wage packets back then, I had little brown envelope each week. You know, a little brown envelope with your cash in it. Some of the older people will remember those. And on the front, it's got the amount, national insurance, tax. And the bit at the bottom is the amount that was actually in the wage packet after tax and everything else had been taken out. 
<laughs> I don't know why I'm laughing. It was dreadful. I knew where I was. I'd get cash. And what I would do is put cash in the bank. My wife had £10 a week housekeeping. I remember that. because I remember thinking £10 on, on food and housekeeping. Good grief. Imagine if that's all it was these days. Oh, bliss. So the rest of the money I'd put in the bank, apart from a bit for myself. I mean, I had to buy petrol and whatever like that for the car. So it all worked out. It was simple. Then my wages, I remember one day, uh, wages started going into a bank. So you had to give your bank details and your wages will then appear in the bank. Now, that was great. Problem there is you haven't got any cash. So you had to go to the bank and cash a check. So if I wanted, say, I wanted £10 for my wife for the housekeeping and I wanted, say, I don't know, £5 for me for bits and pieces. So I'd go to the bank, cash a check for £15 every week. But again, it was simple. I knew where I was in my little balance book. I knew exactly what was in the bank, what was going where, what was going on. Easy peasy. Credit cards first appeared in the UK. I've just looked it up. In 1966. Now, I didn't have a credit card. There was no need. I didn't. You know, what do I want a credit card for? There was nothing online, uh, <laughs> as there is these days. I didn't need a credit card. If I went into a shop to buy something, I had cash or a check. With the check, you had to put your name and address on the back. And then they had a card number. When did I do that? That must have been later on. But normally, if I went into a shop to buy anything, I just had cash with me. I'd nip into the bank and get cash. But of course, again, I knew what I was doing. I'd check my bank balance. I'd have a look. Right, I've got £93. The thing I want in the shop is, say, £20. Can I afford it? I've got the mortgage coming out then. Electricity bill is due. I've just written out that. You know, I knew where I was, exactly where I was. And sometimes I'd walk past a shop window and i think, oh, I'd like that. Couldn't afford it. I'd have to wait. And that was brilliant. You couldn't get into debt. You couldn't get into trouble. Whereas these days, you're walking past a shop and you think, oh, wow, look at that in the window. I'll have that. You go in with your credit card, buy it. And it's, I don't know, how can I put it? To me, anyway, it's, it's not like real money. Handing over cash in a shop to buy something, that cash has gone, physically gone out of your, your pocket or your wallet. That's what it was like then. Now, it's a piece of plastic. You hand it to them, they hand it back and the job's done. How much you've got available, how much that was, none of it seems to matter. And of course, this is how people get into trouble, isn't it, these days with credit cards. Obviously, I've got a credit card now because I've got to pay so much by credit card. You can't buy anything online without a credit card. So credit cards are essential. You have to have one. Now, what we do uh, my wife and I, what we do is pay it off each month. We don't let it build up because if you do, you're in trouble. I know people that are sadly, they're in debt thousands and thousands on credit cards. I, I, I don't know. It's such a shame. It's because it, as I said, it's not like real money. It's a piece of plastic. It's like monopoly money, isn't it? It's not real. I remember talking to a friend a few years back. He said, oh, I've booked my holiday, blah, 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 where he was going with the family and Oh, terrific. That's great. Then he said, of course, I haven't paid for last year's holiday yet. Haven't paid for last year's on the credit card. He was still paying last year's holiday. I mean, crikey. You know, that's not good, is it? I, I couldn't enjoy the holiday if I'm sitting there abroad somewhere thinking, hang on, I haven't paid for last year's. How am I going to pay for this, this year's? It's just, 
I don't know, it's just a weird world, isn't it? It's a it's almost a kind of pretend thing, a make-believe thing where, oh, it's, it's just a credit card. Don't worry about paying it back. I know someone who once said, um, oh, I'm, I'm off on holiday. And I I knew they were in sort of financial difficulties. I didn't say too much, but I said I just said, oh, that's nice. You know, is, is that going to cost you a lot? And he said, well, I can't pay the mortgage this month if we go on holiday, but I won't use the word he used, but uh, who cares about the mortgage sort of thing? You know, um, forget the mortgage. And I thought, well, you can't do that. I mean, you've got to pay your rent or your mortgage. I remember when I first went to work, there were three chaps having a, a chat about houses, rent, mortgages. And one of them said, I wasn't in the group, but one of them, I overheard him. He said, forget electricity bill, forget gas, forget all that. They'll just cut you off. You've got to pay your rent or your mortgage. Otherwise, you haven't got a house. And if you haven't got a house, you're not going to be worried about gas and electricity. So that was the priority. You must pay the rent or the mortgage, whatever you've got. And the others were in agreement. And that stuck in my mind ever since that day. I, I can picture them now, that day in the workshop. I was, what, 16? That stuck in my mind. That's the priority. A friend of mine bought a house. He was late teens and he bought a house. And of course, everyone's thinking, how on earth did he do that? His, his parents helped him a little bit with a deposit, but he'd saved up. He got an extra job in the evenings. He was working weekends and he'd saved up a little bit of help from his parents. And he got a mortgage and bought a house. Amazing. And I went round. He bought the house and he said, you know, when you're passing, come in and have a look. I went round there. He said, I can't offer you a seat. I haven't got any furniture. And there was no furniture in the house. And I, I said, to, oh, when's that arriving? He said, well, it isn't. I haven't got any furniture. And I can't afford any. And <laughs> I must admit, I laughed. And I said, well, how are you going to live here? He said, well, I'm still at mum and dad's at the moment, but I'm coming around here doing bits and pieces, a bit of decorating and one or two repair jobs. He said, but I can't afford any you know, furniture, fridge, washing machine, freezer, three-piece suite. Yeah, he had a TV because we were in the TV trade. We were TV engineers. So he did have a telly, which didn't cost him anything. And I think over a period of weeks and months, someone gave him a kitchen table. Someone else gave him a couple of armchairs. And he did it that way. Whereas this day and age, a couple or a chap or a lady or whatever, a girl, they go and buy a house. First thing they do is get the credit card out and max it out on furniture, brand new furniture. I mean, it's crazy. He slowly got it furnished. And what he did, I think he had a couple, what was it, two spare bedrooms. He got lodgers in, you know, paying lodgers. Uh, and they <laughs> they were helping, obviously, pay the mortgage. And, of course, as time went by, it got easier. Uh, you know, the mortgage, he, he got a wage rise. He was earning more money. He had the lodgers there. He'd furnished the place and was paying the bills. You know, as time goes, initially, when you get a mortgage, you think, just stunned the crows. How am I going to afford this? But as the years go by, it becomes relatively less and less. And in the end, it's easy peasy. So he did that. He paid the mortgage off. I forget how long it took him. And he bought a second house. He rented out the whole first house and bought a second one. You know, I must admit, I admired him. I do remember thinking, well, that's that's the way to do it. He didn't have much of a life because initially he was always working. You know, us lot, we were out clubbing and drinking and picking up girls. <laughs> he was working. And we used to laugh at him. You know, why, why don't you come and join us? Do you want to keep doing all this working all the time? 
you know, come and live. You, you, you're missing out on your life. But uh, he had the last laugh. I haven't seen him for a long time. I think he sold his houses and moved abroad in the end. I've got an idea. He went to Australia. I don't know. But he certainly did well for himself. So there we are. Look at that weather out there. It's awful. It is absolutely lashing with rain. I, I just hate it. The summer seems to have gone. We get this every year. May seems to be quite nice. Then once we get to June, the beginning's not too bad, but then it just rains all the time. And I've noticed that every single year. I don't know whether it did that when I was at school. I, I should have made notes. A friend of mine used to keep a diary and he put everything in this diary. It was quite interesting, actually. I wonder whether he's still got his diary. Imagine that, looking back now to, you know, 1958, June or whatever, to see what the what he was doing, what the weather was like. He used to put everything in the diary. Some people would do that, like Samuel Pepys. Oh, by the way, I've got to correct something. You know, I was talking about uh, half a million years ago. Was it last week or the week before? I said that the Earth... No, yes, I said the Big Bang was four and a half billion years ago. Well, my son, he, he lives in America. He contacted me, listened to the podcast, and he said, no, 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 you got all that wrong. <laughs> oh, dear. He said the Earth was formed, what was it, 13.8, I think, 13 and a half billion years ago. That was the universe, so I got it wrong again. That was the universe, the Big Bang, 13 and a half billion years ago. Uh, the, was it the Earth? Oh, now I forget again. He'll be listening to this. He'll tell me off. I think the Earth was formed or something, four and a half billion years ago. I don't know. But uh, very interesting. I had a lot of people comment about um, about that podcast episode. It was a good one. Of course, back then, I was also reading the other day about uh, money. This is what this episode's all about, obviously, about bartering and things like that, how it all started. Quite interesting. I, mean, I won't bore you with that, because it's going a bit, that dreadful expression, off-topic. Goodness me, do you hate that off topic? <laughs> there is no topic. As I've said before, my podcast episodes, I have a, a hook to hang it on. For example, household bills, and then wander off on some other subject. But um, it's good fun, isn't it? I like it. Going back to household bills, you know, gas, electricity, all that. These days, of course, you've got your mobile phone. You've got uh, broadband, you've got, was it Sky or Virgin Media? You've got Netflix, all this TV stuff. People are paying out all this. We didn't have all these extra bills. So I, I think, as I said, it was far easier then because you knew where you were. You knew your monthly outgoings. You knew what was what. Okay, you still know your monthly outgoings, but there's so much of it. It's difficult to keep up with it. I remember saying to someone, uh, we were talking about, this was a few weeks back, about broadband or what do you pay for your broadband? He said, I've got a clue. I don't know. We've got so many bills. I don't know. He said, we've got a package. He said, I think we've got a landline phone in with that lot, with the broadband. He wasn't sure of the amount. It just came out of the bank. It's everything now just comes out of the bank each month or whenever it is. And no one knows exactly how much it is. And I said to him, you know, don't you check your credit card? Don't you check statements? And he said, no. So you can see how easy it is to get into a mess. And I'm sure some of you listening to this have got into a bit of a spot of bother in the past. I know many, many people who have. So as I said, these days, if you want to buy something, you just buy it on the credit card, even if it's a car. You, know, you can go into the, the car showroom and buy a nice secondhand car on the card. The bank might check with you just to say, 
you know, are you spending kind of four or five thousand, whatever it is, just to make sure it's a, a legitimate sale? But you could just buy it on the credit card. If you wanted to buy a car back in the old days, 50s, 60s, 70s even, and you didn't have the money, you had to go and see the bank manager. And he was stern. I mean, bank managers were known to be, uh, you, you were fearful of them. They would, <laughs> you'd go in there and he'd say, right, well, what is it you're after? And you'd say, well, look, I want to buy a new car. Right, how much do you want? Uh, 500. Cars were that kind of price back then. 500. And of course it was 500. Oh dear, what, what car is it? What mileage has it done? How old is it? And you know, he'd sort of frown at you and shake his head. It's a lot of money, a lot of money for a car with that mileage, a lot of money for a car of that age. And already you're thinking, oh dear, I'm not going to get the loan. Then he'd look through his ledger. Didn't have a computer. He'd open this big ledger book and he'd look down at your account. Right, I see your outgoings are blah, blah, blah. Uh, you're not putting in regularly, are you? I mean, your wages are going in, but you're not saving. And you'd say, oh, oh well, yes, um, I've had this expense and anyway it would go on like this and in the end he'd either say yes or no obviously if it was no then he he had the bank's interest to protect obviously but also your own interest if he thought you couldn't afford it then it was for your own good that you didn't get the loan as well as the banks case they didn't get it back so it was i don't know it was a, a scary sort of time visiting the bank manager but it was also, I think, a very good way of doing it. And then if he did say, right, OK, yeah, we can do that. We'll, we'll loan you the money. It'll be in your account in 24 hours or whatever. He'd, he'd organise it straight away. You could then go and buy the car. Whereas now you just go along to the garage, credit card, yeah, I'll have that car. And no one asks whether you can afford it. it I don't know. It's all, it all seems wrong to me. There are limits on credit cards. So you could only go up to so much, but people keep getting offered more. I mean, I do. Do you want to up your limit? Do you want another 5,000 on your credit card? Do you want another 10,000 available because you've been good with your card? And of course, it's encouraging people to spend more on the card. It just, I don't know, it's just a, a vicious circle. You know, the more you've got, the more you spend, the more you spend, the more you can't pay it back. And it just all goes mad. A friend of mine went bankrupt. He couldn't pay his rent in the end. He was a taxi driver. He couldn't pay his rent. His credit card was maxed out. His landlord was you know, threatening to chuck him out. In the end, he went bankrupt. Now, in the old days, you go bankrupt, there was a real stigma with that. Oh, so-and-so, have you heard? What? He's bankrupt. No. Really? These days, he's gone bankrupt. Oh, is he a good idea? Get rid of all the debts that way. That's the way to do it. Again, it, it's nothing. You just go bankrupt. No one seems to care. It's a way out. You just don't owe anything. Mind you, if you own a house and you own a car and you've got assets, that's slightly different because they will take your assets. But this taxi driver friend, it wasn't his car. It was the taxi company's. The flat he was in was rented. He didn't have any assets. So <laughs> easy way out. Something very interesting happened when I was at school. We were, what, 14 years old, something 13 one of the kids in the class had sold a, a radio to another kid. You know, the old valve radios back in those days. And it worked. They'd agreed a price, I don't know, two, three pounds, two pounds, whatever it was. And the the buyer had said, 
you know, I'll give you sort of half a crown a week, two and sixpence a week out of my pocket money. And the chap selling it said, yeah, okay, that's fine. After a few weeks, um, he paid about half, I think, uh, the radio broke down. And he said, look, I don't want the radio anymore. It doesn't work. It's gone wrong. I mean, I'm not paying the rest of it. Bit of a long story. This came to the attention of the teacher. And we had a current affairs class, which was so boring. Everyone was bored. I had to keep talking about the, the prime minister. Was it Harold, Harold Macmillan? I think. Anyway, it came to his attention and he said, look, lads, let's discuss this in class. And it was interesting. You know, the whole class, we all, all our attention was on this teacher and these two lads. And the teacher said, right, to the, the seller, he said, did you give him any written agreement? Like, you know, you're paying X amount for the radio, you're paying two and sixpence a week, blah, blah, blah. And he said, well, no. He said, OK, did you give him a receipt each time he paid you each week? Did you give him a receipt for the, the money? And he said, well, no, but I've written it down on the back of my geography book. <laughs> and he showed the teacher the back of his geography exercise book. And the teacher said, well, you could write anything. You could just put what you like there. You could miss out payments to make more money out of him or whatever. And he said, oh, oh, yeah, um, oh, well, I didn't think of that. And then he said to the chap buying the radio, did you ask for a guarantee with the radio? It worked, but did you ask for a guarantee? And he said, well, no, it worked. And he said, OK, well, did you ask for a receipt for your money? Did you ask for an agreement, sort of higher purchase agreement? No. And it went on like this, and it was really interesting. And the whole hour's lesson, well, should have been a lesson. Well, it was. It was a lesson in HP, in higher purchase. And it was fascinating. The outcome was uh, everyone was in agreement that there should be no further payments. The chap had had half his money. And the chap that bought the radio, he'd only paid half price for it. So he could put the other half of the money he was going to spend on the radio uh, having it repaired. And they were both happy with that. Uh, a lot, bit of a long story, as I said, but briefly, the chap th that bought the radio, it didn't work. A friend of his dad's was a TV engineer. He fixed the radio. He was happy. And the other chap had half the money. And he did, he did say to me, actually, it wasn't worth what I was charging him anyway. It was a bit of a ripoff. So, yeah, it was great. It was a really interesting... I think that was the only lesson at school that I ever enjoyed. I enjoyed science, but uh, that, that got boring at times because he just went over the same old stuff. Mind you, our science master, he was a bit weird. Um, of course, in those days, teachers could say things and not get threatened, <laughs> if you know what I mean. I won't go into that, but they could say things. And our science master was, well, put it this way, I, I think he liked boys. He liked schoolboys. I'll leave it there. I mentioned bank managers earlier. I had to make an appointment to go and see your bank manager. These days, you have to phone the bank. Well, you do it online. And if you can't do it online, now I'm saying this because yesterday I needed to phone the bank. Okay, so I, I went online. Well, I didn't need to phone them. I was going to do it online. And you couldn't do it online. It just didn't work. And it kept saying, do this, click this, click that, press here. I thought, I can't do this. I'll phone the bank. So I phoned, blah, 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 blah. Press one for this, press two. Right, okay, so I pressed that. Blah, 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 blah. Press two for this, press one. Oh, this went on and on. And eventually it started ringing. And then a voice said, uh, we're exceptionally busy at the moment. 
please hold the line sort of thing, and then played some dreadful music. And I couldn't believe it. Do you know, I hung on for three quarters of an hour. I mean, what is going on? Crikey, three quarters of an hour listening to this blasted music. At least they could play some decent music, you'd think, wouldn't you? And not blast. It was trumpets blasting. I don't like blaring trumpets at the best of times. Anyway, I eventually got through. And it was, you know, the girl was very good. It was sorted. She was very, very helpful. Um, it was. Just, I had two accounts and I wanted them made into one or something. I can't remember what I was trying to do. I think by the time I got through to her, you know, when she's saying, what do you want? Well, she didn't put it that way. <laughs> Imagine her saying, yeah, go on, what do you want? You're through. Damn nuisance. <laughs> um, yes, I wanted two accounts made into one or something. I can't remember why even. But of course, in the old days, you could, if you phoned your bank, someone would answer immediately uh, or you could just pop in there, which is great. I said, I wanted this changed. And I said, can I make an appointment to come in and see a human being, as I put it? And she laughed. And she said, actually, just you don't need an appointment. You just walk in. Uh, but it all happened to be cleared up over the phone anyway. By the time we'd gone through it, there was no need. I went to the bank oh, years ago. I forget what for. Had an appointment with this chap. And my wife was doing the talking. I just sat there. I must have had a growly face. Because he said, you're right. And I said, no, I don't like banks. And he, he sort of frowned at me. He said, oh, thanks very much. I said, well, nothing personal, but uh, they are known as the biggest thieves in the land. Well, they are, aren't they? That's what they're known for, the biggest thieves in the land. The church are the biggest landowners in the land. I remember hearing that one. I like some of these old expressions. Happy days. Anyway, the bank's all sorted out, so I haven't got a phone or try and do stuff online. Or worse still, go down there and meet someone. <laughs> oh dear. I had to meet the building society manager when I was trying to get my first mortgage. How old would I? I don't know. Yeah, bought the house in 76. So I went to this building society and I said, look, found a house and uh, I need to borrow. The house was 9400 be nice if they were that price now. I could buy half a dozen. Anyway, 9400 He said, you'll need a deposit. So I said, yeah, I've got that. He said, have you saved with us before? And I hadn't. I just walked, <laughs> walked into any old building society. And he said, well, to have a mortgage, you have to be a, a saver with us. You're a customer of ours. So I said, oh, well, I can bung the deposit in and start that today. And he seemed to like that. But anyway, he went through the whole thing. I was with my, my wife. We both sat there and he said, what are your earnings? So I told him about to say about my wife's earnings because this was before we had our first baby. So she was working. And he said, no, sorry, with all due respect, it, her earnings don't come into it. So oh, great. That's, that's, that's all down to me then. That's the way it was. So anyway, we had to go through the earnings and... Uh, he had to check that with my boss. Now, I'd already spoken to my boss at the time about this, and he lied for me. Uh, he said, you won't get the, the mortgage on your wages. I said, well, I know that. I said, well, why don't you give me a rise? Which he wouldn't. <laughs> he said, no, certainly not. So anyway, he said, look, I'll, when they contact me, I'll tell them that you're on this amount. He said, that should secure the, the mortgage for you, which was very good of him. He did that because they did write to him, and he wrote back, and he said, yes, you know, he's... Uh, is on this amount and I got the mortgage but of course that was that was a, a scary experience you know, are you one of our customers no well, well get out then <laughs> no it wasn't that bad but it was almost like that 
It, it, it was, I don't know, in those days, these sort of people like bank managers, building society managers, you know, they were scary people. Banks were pretty scary if you mucked about with your account. I know a chap, he wrote out a cheque. I forget the amount. I don't think I, no, I don't forget it. I didn't know the amount. Anyway, he wrote out a cheque and it bounced. Now, for those of you that never written out a cheque, if you haven't got the money in the bank, the cheque won't be cleared. It won't be honoured. So it, it bounces back and then you're in trouble. Anyway, he wrote out this cheque knowing that it would bounce. He didn't have the money in the bank. And do you know what happened? He went to prison. Can you believe that? He went to prison for writing out a cheque knowing that it would bounce. So, yeah, I forget how long he went to prison for. Only a few weeks. Teach him a lesson. But, uh, you yeah, know, that's how it was. Whereas these days, you spend money on the credit card. You can't pay it back. You just kind of get let off, it seems. I don't know. But things were very, very different then. There was HP, the higher purchase, where a man would come round every week and collect the money, the HP money, for whatever it was you bought. You know, you'd knock on the door. Same with uh, rent. If you rented your flat or your house, you rented property, you didn't send a cheque off, the landlord or his agent or whoever would come round once a week, knock on the door, you know, it's the rent man, and he'd had his rent book, or you had your rent book, and you'd write in there the amount and everything, and it was done that way. You'd pay the cash, and uh, yeah, he'd sign your rent book to say that it was paid. So it all worked out well. Again, of course, if people got behind with their rent in those days, uh, as far as I remember. I don't know, I, I had a mortgage, but um, no, actually before my mortgage, uh, I had a bed sit, you know, these bed sitting rooms. That's when I was in my teens. I thought I'll leave home. That way I can take girls back to my bed sit <laughs> and not have to worry about my parents. And it didn't last long, only, only a couple of months, I think, because it's one thing going clubbing and stuff, going back to your own place after the club with a girl. But then reality kind of sets in when you wake up and think, oh, well, hang on, where's my breakfast? Oh, we're, we're after work you get in. Where's my evening meal? Oh, I've got to do that. So you go down the chip shop, you know, and buy something there, fish and chips. I haven't got a clean shirt. Oh, I've got to do my own washing. I went to the laundrette with this friend of mine. He had a bed set in the same house as me. And we sat in the laundrette watching our clothes going round, thinking, well, he wasn't, he didn't mind. Uh, I was thinking, I don't want to do this. Anyway, I left, I went home. And uh, the only downside was, of course, you can't take girls back after you've been clubbing. But uh, the upside was it was cheaper. <laughs> you get your washing done, all your food, everything's all done for you. So, yeah, so I did rent property at one stage. I think it's good for children to have a set amount of pocket money each week because they they kind of learn the value of money and things like that. Initially, you know, rush over the sweet shop and spend the whole lot on sweets and rot your teeth. Um, oh, by the way, I've got to go to the dentist. Do you know, I went to the dentist and just for a checkup, and he said, uh, right, a bit of work, 780-something pounds. What? There's a tooth at the back. He said, "It's uh, you've got to have a crown. He said, that's 600. Then you need a couple of little fillings. And I said, well, 600. I said, well, look, I'll tell you what. It's one right at the back, take it out. And he did an x-ray. He said, well, the thing is, you've got a jawbone. This is true, a jawbone of a 20-year-old. He said, your bone is really good. And he said, it'll be a job to get that, his, his exact words, it'll be a hell of a job to get that tooth out. So I said, oh, okay, we better go for the 600 pound option then. 
crikey, 600 pounds. Anyway, I had this very attractive uh, assistant nurse or whatever she was. I heard her mumble under her breath. He's got a body of a 20-year-old. I may have misheard her thinking back. I possibly misheard her, but I'm sure that's what she said when she looked at me and winked and smiled. When I came out of there, I told my wife that, and she said, yeah, in your dreams. Anyway, kids' pocket money, I think it's good because it teaches them, uh, well, some of them anyway, sort of the value of money. What they do now is they've got an app, haven't they? And they can, is it like a, no, like a credit card they have where the parents are in control and say there's £10 in there and they can spend it on this card or something, which I think is a good idea because it teaches them from a fairly early age uh, you know, how to cope with stuff. <laughs> Doesn't teach them how to max out the card and then just not have to worry about it all. I don't know. But I think it's a good idea that kids are taught from a fairly early age about money because we weren't. I just got my pocket money and went and spent it. Uh, there was nothing really, apart from that one lesson at school about the, the radio, uh, I don't think we were ever taught anything about handling money, stuff like that. It would have been really useful you know, had, had we had lessons in that, or at least a discussion about it, possibly. On my, was it 11th or 12th birthday, next door neighbour, this old boy, gave me a money box. That was my birthday present. And there was some money in it. And he kept the key. He said, now, a little bit of your pocket money each week, put something in the money box. And he said, next year on your birthday, I'll give you the key. And you can open it up and you should have quite a bit of cash. Well, the weeks went by. I didn't put money in it. I couldn't put money in there. I had to go and buy sweets and things. So it got to the stage where I was a bit short of cash. I tried picking the lock. That didn't work. So I got, the, <laughs> I got this screwdriver and levered the thing open. I tried to get the money out with a knife. Do you remember doing that through the slot? It wouldn't work. I couldn't get the money out. So in the end, I levered the lid open and broke the lock. And there was half a crown in there. Whoa, wow, I thought that's handy. I knew there was only one coin. It was a big half crown piece. And of course, come the next birthday, it was embarrassing. He said, oh, go and get the money box. Here's the key. And I said, oh, uh, OK, I'll do that. I've just got to go out or whatever my excuse was. In the end, he gave me the key and he said, well, look, open it, you know, when you've got time, tell me how much you've got. So, because <laughs> you see, I'd thrown the money box away. That was the evidence. Anyway, I saw him and he said, well, how much, how much have you saved? And I lied. I can't remember what I said, six pounds, something or whatever. Oh, well done. He said, now you know how to save money and the, the value of money. He was an, an ex-headmaster, a retired headmaster from an all boys school, another strange person. Anyway, I didn't learn my lesson there. All I, I learned was how to break and enter. <laughs> I was into robbery, crime. <laughs> I spent the half crown, I forget what on, probably sweets. One lesson I didn't learn, which I do regret, I was early 20s, I think, and this insurance chap, he said, you ought to get yourself a private pension, you know, pay a couple of pounds a, a week or whatever, not even that much. And, you know, by the time you retire, you'll have a really nice pension pot. I remember saying to him, no, I'll retire? You know, I'm, I'm 22 or 21, whatever I was. Retire? That's like 65. You know, it was a million light years away. I should have taken his advice because he said, well, he, he, <laughs> he said, when you are 65, you'll remember me. And yes, I do remember him. He was right. But again, you know, what do you do? You, you're young, early 20s. I wasn't, that's before I was married, wasn't married, didn't have bills, didn't have a mortgage. I was clubbing. Look at... <laughs> Oh dear, girls come back into the equation. I was looking for girls. 
you know, wasn't thinking of a pension. I wasn't thinking that when I was 65 years old, I better sort of secure some kind of income apart from the state pension. God dear me, crikey. It's the last thing on my mind. There used to be the debate as well in the old days, the 60s, about renting or more getting a mortgage and buying a place. And I remember in the workshop, you know, one chap, he rented a council house and he was saying, oh, well, I get everything done for me. You know, if, if there's a problem with the house, they sort it out. If it needs a new roof, they'll put a new roof on it. It's not down to me, which was a good argument, I suppose. And uh, this other chap that was buying a house, he, the mortgage, he said it was crippling him. He could barely pay it. You know, he, he couldn't come out with us. He also had a, a you know, wife and a baby. So, you know, his clubbing days really were over. But he his argument was, well, one day the mortgage, you know, 25 years, will be paid. Then I've got no rent, no mortgage, nothing. It's all mine. And the other chap said, well, yes, OK, I've got to pay for life. But he said, if you've got a problem with your house, you've got to pay out. If I have, I haven't got to pay out. And the argument went on like this. Uh, I know people that have rented all their lives. A lot of people do. There's nothing wrong with that. The other thing was there's nothing to leave to the kids. I remember him saying, well, why should I leave it to the kids anyway? That was a chap in the rented property. Uh, he said they can go get their own money. <laughs> he was a funny chap. Um, yes, anyway, I won't go into that. But uh, yeah, renting or buying your own, there are two ways of look. Well, not two ways, there are several ways of looking at that. I just, I think because my wife's parents had bought a place, my parents had bought a place, that was just the way we were, I don't know, conditioned possibly. Is that is that the way to put it? Brought up? Uh, you know, you save up some money and you go and buy a house or get a mortgage, rather. Friends of ours, um, this chap, won't mention names, he won't buy anything uh, unless he's got the cash. You know, he won't do credit cards, stuff like that, He's which is great. Uh, he'll go shopping with cash, whatever he buys, it's cash. If he hasn't got the cash, he won't buy it. Some people might think that's rather strange, but it's probably the best way to be, if you think about it. Fortunately, I've not been bogged down with the the gift or not a gift is of jealousy and envy. I mean, some people are so jealous and envious of other people. I know a chap, he was left a property by some aunt and he was only in his early 30s and he's suddenly been given a house, got loads of money, great. And other people said, well, it's all right for him. I think that's a bad attitude. I've never worried about that. If I see someone doing well, I think, oh, that's great. I feel pleased for them. Luckily, I've never had this envy or jealousy thing uh, which some people are afflicted with. I suppose that's the way to put it. Another chap I know, friend of my parents, he, was it his mum and dad or hers or both, I think, uh, left their houses. It was both left their houses to him and his wife, you know, when they, when the parents passed on. And he had loads of money, absolutely loads of money. And he was really tight with it for some reason. Sometimes that happens, doesn't it? When someone hasn't got much money, they're quite generous. When someone's got loads of money, they're quite tight with it. But uh, And people were, were really envious of this chap. There's one person I have in mind I won't mention. You never heard the end of it. Oh, he's got all this money. He's been left that. And it just went on and on. I mean, it's awful. Crikey, I'm glad I'm not like that. There's that old saying, isn't there? Money is the root of all evil. And I heard someone change it once. The lack of money is the root of all evil. It's the lack of money that makes people go out and rob things and do bad things, isn't it? 
But uh, there we are. Anyway, I've got to my age and I kind of survived. I didn't do any of it properly. Well, I say that. I suppose I did buy my, my first house. I got the mortgage. That was difficult. It was £89 a month. I remember that. £89 a month. And it really was a killer. The mortgage was a killer. You could barely do anything else. Forget going out and stuff like that, especially when you've got a little baby as well. 89 quid a month. And I remember my friend, he rented her a flat. He ended up with a council house. He was going out and he was saying to me, oh, what do you want to get a mortgage for? But uh, now I don't know where he is. Uh, shame I'm not in touch with. Gee, I've lost touch with all these people. Do you have any friends from school? I don't. I don't know why. I pre well, I do know why I didn't like them and they didn't like me. I think I've mentioned that before. I don't do well with... <laughs> I don't do well with friends. I do mix. I mix okay. Well, my wife says I don't. I mean, I'll go, I'll go along to things and I'll join in, but only for a while because I get bored and want to go home. So I don't know what happened to that chap. Not in touch with anyone from the old days, I don't think. No, not anyone at all. It's funny, that, isn't it? I suppose it's not... I was talking to a chap the other day. He said, uh, oh, you know, paid off the mortgage years ago, blah, blah, blah. I said, yes, so, so have we. And he said, the equity in my house now is, uh, what was it? He said, 400 something, 400 or 450,000 uh, house prices. He said, have gone up. They've gone up dramatically in the last few months or year or so. And he said, yeah, what's yours worth? I said, well, I don't know. I have no idea. It doesn't affect me. And he said, what do you mean it doesn't affect you? He said, well, it's it's your money. And I said, well, it's not. It's my house. I said, the only way it would affect me is if I'm going to sell it. I said, then I've got to buy somewhere else. And he said, oh, no, no. He said, what you do is downsize. And I said, well, I don't want to downsize. <laughs> We're happy where we are. I don't want the, all the expense and the palaver of moving. Anyway, he's very money orientated, working it out. I think it was 450 something thousand equity in the place. Well, that's what they, you know, that's what it's worth. He's paid the mortgage and he's going to downsize. And I said, well, he won't like it. He reckons he's going to have 100,000 in the bank in cash after he's moved. And I said, yeah, but you won't like it because he's got a nice big garden. It's a lovely place where he is. And anyway, he's going ahead with it. I said, well, what are you going to do with the 100 grand? Oh, we're going on holiday. We're going to get another car. We're going to do this and do that. See, I'm not materialistic. I, I've never, I don't know, I've never needed a lot of money. He does. He needs a lot of money. He's always going out, always buying things, always having weekends away, always wanting to change his car. You know, I'm not like that. I'm quite happy at home. Both of us are. We're quite happy here. We have our holidays. As I've said to you, we've just been to Somerset, Wookie Hole. I mentioned that last week. We're off to the Isle of Wight, uh, only a Monday to Friday thing. Uh, when's that? That's in September, is it? I can't remember. Something like that. We've just booked the Isle of Wight again for next year. Whereas this chap... Oh, we're going to Greece, we're going here, we're going, we're going on a cruise and oh, all this nonsense. Can't do all that. But we're all different. I suppose that's the way he is and this is the way I am, so that's fine. I remember a chap I met years ago at my local pub. I didn't know him, we just got chatting one evening and he seemed a nice enough chap and he said to me, I'm a millionaire. And I thought, well, that's a funny thing to say. I didn't say anything. And he said it again, oh yes, I, I'm a millionaire. I've got this and I've got that. And I thought, oh, that's a shame because I thought he was quite a nice chap, but he was going on about all this. So I just said to him, I thought I'd have a laugh when he said I'm a millionaire. He said it again. Oh, yes, yes, I'm a millionaire. So I said, welcome to the club. And his face, he his smile just dropped. He just 
looked at me, literally open, stared at me open-mouthed. Are you? I said, yeah, yeah. Why, why, what's, what's the problem, you know? He said, well, how did you do that? Where'd you get your money? How come you're a millionaire? I said, well, how come you're a millionaire? He said, well, I've told you I did this and that. I said, yeah, well, I've, I've done various things. He said, well, this million of yours, where is it? Is it cash? Is it property? I said, well, where's your million? And it all got silly. He didn't like the idea. <laughs> anyway, in the end, I said, uh, look, I'd, you don't believe me, do you? And he said, well, frankly, no. And I said, well, I don't believe you. I knew he was. I'd heard rumours. I'd never actually met him, but I heard rumours before. And it was true. He was a millionaire. In the end, I just said, well, I don't believe you are. Oh, well, I am. And he, he didn't like it. Yeah, we got on uh, after that, but we were never kind of mates. Well, I'm never mates with anyone. I, I don't have friends. This other chap once, he said to me, he was buying something from me, an old radio or something. And he said to me, oh, I'm a millionaire, you know. And I thought, well, here we go again. Remind me of this other chap years ago. So I just said to him, yeah, welcome to the club. Oh, oh you're a millionaire. Well, why do you live here? Because he'd come to my house to buy the radio. Why do you live here? Because I played this game with him. I said, well, what do you mean, why do I live here? He said, well, I thought you'd have a mansion somewhere. I said, well, I have. Up in Surrey, I said, I'm not, you know, I won't say where, but I have. I said, this is just my weekend house down by the coast. <laughs> His face. Oh, oh, another chap. Yeah, that reminds me of someone else. Hadn't seen him for years. And he looked me up and he came round and he started chatting. And he, he sort of looked round. He was saying, a oh, small house. I said, yes, it's, uh, it's home. We love it. Of course, I've just bought uh, another property. I said, oh, have you what you've moved? He said, no, no, just to rent out. I've got two rented properties now. I own three houses altogether. And I thought, oh, here we go. Here we go. Oh, I can't stand any of that. So I said, well, don't you find it uh, a bit of a drain having to worry about property? Oh, no, not at all, he said. Uh, so I said, oh, I do. I said, yeah, I wake up at night thinking about things. All oh, the roof on that house isn't too good. And he, he looked at me and he said, well, what, you've got property? I said, yeah, I've got several houses, actually. <laughs> his face. Oh, I mean, I just have fun with these people. Uh, he went, he was saying, oh, well, where? I said, well, actually, I've got two houses and one shop that I rent out. I just went off into some fantasy thing. Looking back, I shouldn't have done that. Anyway, I never saw him again. Uh, I think he was, he thought that I was going to be jealous of him and he ended up jealous of me. Anyway, it's all silly, isn't it? It must be nice to have a, a property somewhere that you're getting rent from, but... Uh, I don't know. I suppose a lot of hassle goes with it. I've never, I've never known. I've never had another property. I've, I've heard that agents deal with everything, but of course they take a percentage and I don't know. It's not the sort of thing I'd want. As I said, we, we don't need a lot of money. Some people do. Some people need lots of money. We don't. Uh, yeah, we've got an old car. Is it old? What is it? 2012, I think. Yeah, but it's all right. It's good enough. I don't like it much, but it works. It plods on year in, year out. So that's good enough. One day we'll have to change it, I suppose. But that's uh, another thing. I've never been into cars. I don't want to spend, as some people do, tens of thousands of pounds on a car. You know, what for? Crikey, that's the last thing I want. A car to have to worry about. If ours gets scratched, doesn't matter too much. <laughs> I think that's the best way to be. Having a lot of money can be a worry. You know, it can be a problem because you, you're constantly thinking, I've got this money there, that money. Hang on, what's the interest on that? If I move this from there to here, I don't have to worry about that because I haven't got any. <laughs> that makes people frown. You know, when I've said that to people that have got money, oh, I don't have to worry about money. I haven't got any. 
They kind of look at me like, that's weird. What a strange attitude. It's not at all. I'd rather go and sit in the woods with my back to a tree, looking up at the, the foliage, the sun streaming through the, the leaves. Excellent. Listening to the birds. What was it I read the other day on Twitter somewhere? Someone had put up, um, most things can be, what was it? Most things can be fixed by unplugging them for a few minutes and then plugging them back in. And then at the bottom it said, including yourself. And I thought, how true, how true that is. Or oh, by switching off. Yeah, by switching off for a few minutes and then switching on again or something. And what that means, obviously, is if you go and sit in the woods or somewhere, unplug, you reboot yourself, unplug, switch off, just for a few minutes. That's all you've got to do. Sit there for a few minutes in the woods, taking in the sound of the birds and the, the wildlife and the, the countryside, the trees. And then you're rebooted, you know, you're ready to go off again. I love it. I just wish we had some woods closer to where we live. That's the only thing. There's a house. My wife showed me the other day in the paper, no, online, in the paper. What am I saying? Grief, I'm going back a few decades. Do you get a paper? We don't get a newspaper. I don't think that many people do these days. I get all my news online. Not that I'm interested in the news anymore. It's all bad, isn't it? But there's this house, 10 point something million pounds. Uh, I forget where it is, in an ordinary place. 10 point something million. And we were both saying, if we had that sort of money to buy a house, we wouldn't live in you know where that one is, in this little town. You'd go somewhere surely out into the country. 10.2 million, I believe it was. Who's going to buy a house in a, a town? I mean, obviously, it's a very nice place. It's huge. But who wants to live in the middle of a town? If you've got 10 million, you're going to live outside the town, aren't you? Surely with a, a couple of acres of land and I don't know, stables, room for, what was it? <laughs> uh, Hyacinth Bouquet. Do you ever watch that? St was it stables and room for a swimming pool or something like that? Keeping up appearances, isn't it? Hyacinth Bouquet. Well, the time's gone really quickly. We're heading for the hour. Um, do you want to email me? You probably don't, but it's raiserants at protonmail.com, just in case you do. Raiserants at protonmail.com. If you've got any ideas or suggestions or rude comments, I don't get many rude comments. It's a shame. <laughs> I quite like rude comments. They make me laugh. I get a lot of nice comments, which I suppose is not. Well, it is nice, isn't it? But I'd like some rude ones as well. You know, why don't you take your podcast episodes and uh, <laughs> I make a, a few videos, you know, and put them on YouTube. And I do get one or two rude comments. I did one about... Uh, aerials once you know, for shortwave radios aerials and this chap's comment was why do you talk about a subject uh, of which you obviously have no knowledge whatsoever <laughs> oh dear that was funny I, I leave the comments there as well I don't reply I just leave them there so they don't get any feedback you know if I replied and engaged in an argument or discussion then that's what they want but uh, I don't get that many, but I do get some funny ones sometimes. A chap, what was it, just the other day, he said, uh, you're, <laughs> he said, well, I've watched all your videos and they're all useless. You don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> uh, that one, I think he must have removed it or someone did. It disappeared, that comment. So I only saw it briefly. It disappeared. Perhaps he changed his mind and deleted it. I don't know. I watch uh, other people's videos. I just have a look now and then to see what they're doing. And I, I don't, I, I might put a decent comment. I might say, yeah, that was interesting. But I never 
put anything rude. Perhaps I should. Perhaps they, <laughs> perhaps they like it as much as I do. I don't know. What does annoy me on these videos, well, and some people's podcast episodes, I've been having a look round to see what other people are rambling on about, ranting on about. And they start off, so many of them, podcasts and uh, YouTube videos, with blasting out music. You, know, you, you might have the volume up a bit high inadvertently, and suddenly you've got trumpets blaring at you, or some screaming guitar or something. I mean, I like a bit of Hendrix. If I want Hendrix, I'll go and listen on my hi-fi. If I want to listen to a, a podcast with someone talking, I don't want to hear Hendrix at the same time anyway. I can't listen to them. I turn them off. If a video starts out with a load of blasting music and loads of flashing stuff on the screen, I just switch it off and go and find another video. I can't cope with all that. It's all too much in your face, isn't it? Like all these adverts. These adverts, you know, where they shout and they scream at you. Why people have to shout on adverts? Well, I won't go into that. I did a whole episode, didn't I, on that? Scroll back through. Yeah, as I said um, earlier, I don't think people, or was it last week, people aren't scrolling back through all the episodes that I've done because they're coming up with ideas. Or oh, why don't you do this? Or why don't you do that? Well, I've done that. If you look back through the list, it is over a hundred now, over a hundred episodes I've done. So it's quite a lot to look back through, but it's worth it because there might be something there that you like. There might be something that you don't like, then you can send me rude comments. <laughs> oh dear. There we are. Shall I stop it here? Where are we? We're heading for the hour. So I think, um, I'll tell you what, I'll have a break. I'll make a cup of coffee. Well, it stopped raining. It's brightening up a bit. Oh, perhaps the summer isn't over after all. I thought that was it. I thought I'd missed the summer because I blinked last week. I'll make a cup of coffee and I'll be back in a nanosecond. Right, that's my coffee on my desk. And uh, back to the podcast episode. Here come the dustmen. Yeah, I missed them last week. Oh, what was that? A crash. I've got the microphone down. I've got this new setup in the in the studio. <laughs> studio. I'll have to take a photo one day of me sitting here, uh, of the whole sort of room, so you can see where I am. Put it on, uh, I don't know, on the... The Facebook page. Actually, that's an idea. Have a look at the Facebook page. It's Ray's Rants. Uh, that's what it's called. Search on Facebook for Ray's Rants. And I put stuff on there. I might have to put a photo of me talking. Oh dear. Anyway, yes, that's an idea. I'll do that. My dentist, we made this appointment and I got a phone call yesterday from the dentist. And she said, oh, right, your appointment on Thursday. I said, oh, yeah, 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 uh, 10 o'clock. She said, well, he's moving house that day, your dentist. He can't do it. I said, oh, uh, OK. So it's now a week Saturday. She said, we're now open Saturdays. It's a week Saturday. So I was all psyching up because I don't like the dentist, do you? I was psyching up for it, building up, thinking Thursday, right, Thursday, Thursday. Now suddenly it's a week Saturday. So I mean, I haven't got toothache, but I'm aware of it. You know, it's there. Listen. Blasted dustmen. Well, I suppose they're not blasted dustmen. They've got to empty the bins, haven't they? But uh, they do. They time it. I reckon they listen to my podcast and they think, right, listen to that. They think, right, he's recording about now. Let's take the cart round there. <laughs> the dustmen have moved. Oh, no, there's smashing bottles. I've, have you noticed? I don't know whether you have dustmen abroad like this. I remember in Spain, they had a big dustbin at the end of the road and everyone took their rubbish down there and put it into this huge dustbin, which was then emptied once a week or whatever. But have you ever noticed how when they tip the thing up into the lorry, or the automatic thing does, 
There's always a load of glass bottles smashing. I reckon it's beer bottles and wine bottles. I think everyone, <laughs> wherever I go, whichever street I'm in, if I'm out for a walk or wherever I'm going and there's a dustman nearby, you hear all these smashing bottles. I reckon everyone's alcoholic. It's, it's not milk bottles because, well, we don't have milk bottles anymore. And besides, the milkman took them away again. So what's all this glass, all these glass bottles smashing as they tip the bin into the lorry? It can only be wine and beer, can't it? Alcohol. <laughs> anyway, on that note, I'm going to have my coffee. No, there's no alcohol in there. I don't put stuff in. Some people put, is it brandy in coffee or a bit of whiskey or something? Oh, I can't do that. It's dreadful. Right, listen, I shall see you all next Wednesday. Yeah, don't forget every Wednesday for the midweek message and then every Sunday morning for the main podcast episode. So I shall see you all now. I now don't know where I am. Wednesday. Yes. See you all next Wednesday. Look after yourselves, take care and try to relax if you can. That's what I'm trying to do lately. I'm trying to relax a bit more, not get, I mean, I'm not a stress type person, but I think recently, once or twice, I've been getting a little bit stressed about things. I get stressed about that dustman in a minute. No, I won't. I'm only joking. Take care, email me and I shall see you. What was it I said? I can't can't remember. I shall see you next Sunday. No, Wednesday. I shall see you whenever. Bye-bye for now.